Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of Seeking Witchcraft. Today, I'm super excited to have the amazing witch and author Amy Blackthorne on as a special guest. She's written three amazing books, and she's here to talk a little bit about them, but she's also going to talk about how to do things like smoke cleansing your home and using essential oils for a few different things like love, friendship, or, you know, anti-anxiety, which I'm sure most of us would probably love to have during this crazy COVID-19 world. (laughs) So welcome, Amy. I'm so glad to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Do you want to go ahead and give a quick introduction about yourself? Absolutely. I've been practicing since I was 11. Wow. Which is just insane to think about. I'm really tickled to have the ability to draw on that timeline of experience, but it also feels like somebody else. You know how you change your practice and you grow as a person and it feels like six other people who just happened to be named Amy all had those experiences. <laughs> yeah, I definitely understand that. I feel like I have grown so much during my witchcraft journey that sometimes I'll look back or even listen to an older episode. I'm just like, oh man, like I feel like I'm a different person since I recorded that. <laughs> and it's so great because if you're not feeling that way, then you really aren't growing as a practitioner. So it's amazing that you can go back and see, yes, this is where it came from, but you're growing into you're supposed to be. Absolutely. And I think that's like some of the fundamental things that you learn during your journey, especially if you're learning witchcraft or, you know, anything like that, even just in life, (laughs) you know, growth is such a great indicator of how you're doing. Exactly. When you really get to experience the new person that you are, and you can still look at yourself and say, oh, yeah, I recognize that person. You know, this is where I came from. But really knowing, it's like, you know, you look back at your high school picture and you're like, did I actually wear that? Yes, I oh. wear that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The fashions back when I was in high school are not, no. <laughs> but, you know, I think probably most people can say that. Yes. <laughs> Once they kind of phase out of those like high school, even like early college years, most people probably look back and they're like, oh man, like really did my makeup like that? I really wore that that day. Who let me out of the house looking like that? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. So I guess let's talk a little bit about your books. So anybody listening, so I've talked to Amy a little bit about this podcast, how it's aimed for people who are beginners. So, you know, just looking at the topics of her books, I think that anybody listening to this would probably be really interesting in what she has to write. So if you want to kind of give the listeners just an idea of, you know, the books that you have and what they're about, I think everybody would really love that. Fantastic. So my very first book is Blackthorn's Botanical Magic. It's a guide to using essential oils and botanicals in your magical practice. So it started out as an encyclopedia of magical aromatherapy, and it sort of grew out from there. There's a few food recipes, there's a few incense recipes, but it's largely a guide to understanding working with the soul of the plant, the volatile oils that make up an essential oil. It's gotten to the point where they're very easy to access. There's an essential oil section in my grocery store, and understanding what we can do with them. It's less buy a thousand things and make one thing out of it and more a thousand things to do with one oil. So that'd be great. Yeah. It's really getting to know one at a time with larger books like this, especially when you're a new practitioner, you get that, oh my God, I have to learn everything right this minute. You're so excited about learning. You just want to open up your brain and pour everything in it. And Books like this give you a thousand things to do with one oil, so you can really get to know each plant as an individual personality. So rather than grabbing all the, you know, 
the entire oil selection of your shop, grab one or two or three and learn everything about those. Then you can branch out. It's kind of like meeting somebody at a party. You know, if you meet 52 people at one party and you come back in a month, you might remember one person's name, maybe. But it'll be the person you had a connection with. It'll be the person who you talked for an hour and a half about your favorite TV show or your favorite book or your favorite person. But that's what you remember. That's what you take away. So in the idea of simpling, you're just picking a few. You're starting there. And it works with anything. It works with tarot cards. It works with plants that you want to grow in your garden and learn about all their properties. And it works with essential oils. So just start with three and learn everything about them and then sort of add in more friends. So I love that. Yeah, I really do. I love that personality of the plant. (laughs) Each one really does have its own unique feel. You know, when you're looking at a picture of peppermint and you're looking at a picture of lemon balm, they can look really similar because they're part of the same family. But if you grow them and you know them in all four of their faces, all four seasons, you can look at a picture and say, oh, yeah, that's totally lemon balm. It's got a little hairier. It's a little partier. You know it. It's like learning the differences between identical twins. You're like, oh, that's Bob. He likes sports. And Joe can't stand sports. He wants to play on his computer all day. You know the little things about them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I really like the point, too, that you made about, you know, you don't have to buy every single essential oil that the store has. Buy one or two or three. Because I think one of the big things with witchcraft is kind of just making do with what you have, Mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to make some sort of brewer potion, because there's so many things that can be interchangeable, you know, and that kind of goes for more than just oils. I mean, that goes for crystals, that goes for herbs. I mean, you know, the list really goes on and on. It does. That's one of the sneaky things I did in the very back of botanical magic. I'm a sneaky teacher. Like I want to teach people <laughs> things, but I don't want them to know that I'm teaching them. So in the very back of Blackland's botanical magic, the very last pages, there's a recipe index. So you can find the things that you're looking for. So you want, you know, it'll give you all the banishing oils. It'll give you all the protection oils, all the healing oils. So you go in the back and you look at it, but instead of a page number, you find the essential oil in which that recipe is located. So if you want the hex shattering oil, you can look for it under its name and then you see, oh, look, it's over here. When you're looking at the index, because I used essential oil names and not page numbers, you have a ready-made substitution list. So all of the oils under emotional well-being are things that you can utilize for your health and well-being. Yeah, that sounds incredibly handy. I can't tell you myself. I've gone online to see, like, let's say I want to make like an incense, for example, and not necessarily oil, but the point's still the same. And I might not have a certain herb. And so I'll go online and I'm like, what can I substitute like for valerian root or something like that? I can't tell you how many pages and pages and pages I'll like scroll through because one site might say like, oh, no, you can't substitute it. And another site says this. It's so nice just to have like one handy area where I can just look and be like, okay, this is what this says. You know, I know this is a reference to oils, but it kind of goes across the whole witchcraft (laughs) world, I feel like. But it would be very nice to have a reference, you know, strictly for oils. Especially when you're first trying to figure out, you know, there's so many things to remember, like what's a top oil, what's a base oil, what's a heart note. It's nice to be able to sort of figure out how that works without either A, having someone holding your hand or B, feeling just adrift out at sea, left alone. Yeah, absolutely. The second book is Sacred Smoke. It's a beginner's guide for utilizing sacred smoke in your individual practice. It's creating your own authentic practice from scratch. 
So in the first chapter, we pick two botanicals, lavender and clove. You sit and you record your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences, any memories that come up with you when you're experiencing those scents. Because when you're really diving into new smells or old smells, what happens is your brain has to go through that Rolodex of every memory you've ever experienced every day, every minute, to get to the point where the most recent experience of that scent pops up in your brain, because that's the freshest memory, freshest experience in your brain. But it has to go through memory to get to recognition. So if you're using a soap that smells like circus peanuts and you haven't smelled them since you were eight, you know, it might take you a minute to remember this is what circus peanuts smell like. And that's what's triggering the memory in the back of your head. You know, that itchy feeling you get when you're like, oh, I know what that is. So writing down those things that come up, those experiences, and what happens is you're able to create your own authentic practice, not based on some super ancient blotty boss and this. No, it's based on your feelings, your experiences, your, your own ethics. You know, I talk about ethically harvested materials, how to know where you're going is the best place for you, how to talk about your own ethical standards. You know, it could be really easy to say, oh, I'm going to grab the nearest white sage that I found at the dollar store or knowing how to grow your own things. There's even a section in the book that tells you the plants that are commonly found in your lawn in North America and what they can be utilized for in your sacred smoke practice. So you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to have a green thumb. You could use the clover and plantain in your lawn if you have grass. You know, clover is joy and happiness and plantain is healing. I mean, there's really incredible plants that are right outside within your own reach to utilize, to express the feelings and the intentions that you have for your magical practice. Definitely. And, you know, one of the things I've talked about a lot on this podcast before, not just myself, but other people I've had on is we'll talk about getting into a ritual mindset and having triggers for that. Awesome. Yeah, smell is such an important and like such a strong and powerful ritual trigger. I can't tell you how many times I've like, I don't know, been out and about and like maybe I'll get a waft of something that kind of smells like incense. And I'm just like, whoa, (laughs) it's like it kind of takes you back and you're just like, wait, I'm like out on the sidewalk. Like what? What's happening right now? Yeah. So being able to have things in your yard that you can use to incorporate into your wishy practice and learning what those things are and being able to create a scent memory with that to then trigger that mindset. I think that's awesome. Most people, when I try and talk about this, they're like, kind of giving you a side eye. They're like, hey, are you sure you know what you're talking about? That's the fact <laughs> that you know this, it just overjoys me. When oh, absolutely. I was, when I was writing, I was actually getting to the point where I was laying the groundwork for botanical magic, a death in the family. One of those great Aww. aunts that you've never met and had no emotional connection to, but it's, there's the familial obligation of it. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to the neighborhood Catholic church that where my mom was raised. I wasn't raised Catholic. She's not practicing. You know, it was just one of those, again, familial obligations. So the rest of her family is there. She hasn't arrived yet. I have four sisters. None of them have arrived. It's just me and the Calvary Baptist section of the family who doesn't want to be in a Catholic church in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) So I was really nervous. This is the first family funeral since the rest of my extended family found out I was a witch, the the Calvary Baptists. And they were very upset about it. They actually made a scene at the the previous funeral. I was nervous about it. Oh my goodness. So I'm sort of sitting off to the side and I'm waiting for my mother to show up, you know, have a little bit of buffer and she was running late. So then the ceremony started and she's still not there. And I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I'm worked up. And the funniest thing happened. The procession came in, 
the altar boys had the sensor, they wheeled in the casket, everything was starting. And I went from really keyed up and nervous and wobbly and irritated, unsure, and then I was fine. And it took me probably two seconds to realize that I was no longer anxious. And so I tried to look and say, okay, what happened to make this sudden change that I had no noticeable control over or understanding of? And when the sensor walked past, it was full of frankincense and myrrh. It's a Catholic church. My first high priestess was, you know, she referred to herself as a recovering Catholic. Every ritual that we had, our ritual room was probably 10 by 10. And she would smoke that place out. She'd just <laughs> fill it with frankincense and myrrh. So you couldn't see the person on the other side of the ritual room. I love that. <laughs> the minute I smelled the frankincense and myrrh walk past me, even though I've never been in a Catholic church, I had never had any experience. My brain was ready for ritual. I grounded and centered. I was ready for the experience just because I had the scent trigger of the frankincense and myrrh. My brain knew, okay, it's time for ritual. Let's roll. Let's do this. Yeah. We talk so much about the ritual mindset in my covenant and having those triggers. And, you know, I will say too, my outer court for the covenant I was training in, we use church incense. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually really like the smell of church incense. My priest had a 10 pound box that he bought. Love it. <laughs> exactly. And you know, there's other times we'll use different incense and I'm just like, oh, I just really like that church incense. I don't know if it just kind of takes me back with like a little bit of like nostalgia, you know, being a Catholic as growing up as a child or, you know, I just really like it, but there's something about it that just like gets me in the zone that I'm like, okay, I'm ready now. <laughs> it's so funny. So I worked a shop called Mystical Voyage. It was the largest shop in the United States for the time that it was open from 2006 to 2010. And one of my favorite memories, it was January. It was really early in January. There's blustery storm, these huge gusts of wind, and there's big rolling thunderheads and everything's really active out in the world. And so I'm standing in the ritual section of Mystical Voyage and the door blows open and this very dramatic bang this gentleman walks in and he's frantic and he says, where is your frankincense oil? And I said, oh, okay, <laughs> it's right over oh here. Goodness. We have this, here's some frankincense oil, here's some myrrh oil, here's some this. And I said, oh, and there's also frankincense resin and myrrh resin over back here. And he says, you have that? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, it's frankincense. here's frankincense, here's myrrh. And then here's a bag of them blended together. Like, it's okay. Whatever your emergency is, we've got you covered. <laughs> Everything's fine. Like, take a breath. It's okay. No one's out to get you. We're all family here. It's fine. And it turned out that it was Epiphany. And they ran out at the Catholic church down the street. They ran out of, they ran out of incense from their Christmas mass. <laughs> and nobody reordered it. It's the Christmas break. No one can get it out to them. They showed up expecting to just like, Burn the oil, I guess. That would have been a really bad mistake. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was able to sell them a pound of the frankincense and myrrh blended. He thought, like, this is the best thing ever. You guys are great. He showed up for our Sunday coffee clutches for a year after that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I would have loved to have been a fly on the room in the Catholic Church to hear the one person say, Hey, why don't you go check out the witchcraft shop and see if they have incense we can use in the Catholic Church? Oh my gosh, that's great! I love that story. I feel like I'm gonna need to like repeat that to my coven and be like, you listen, absolutely tell the funniest them. thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious! <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, your third book, Botanical Brews. Let's talk about that one. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this book. So it's uh, available for pre-order now. 
It comes out Ooh. October 1st. It was such a fun book to write. So it's looking at the materials that we have in our homes and how we can utilize them for a magical practice to make potions. It's a potions book. Ooh, fancy. So, yeah, so excited. There's an entire section of workings for individual spirits. So absinthe or vodka or rum or cachaça or any of these really beautiful whiskeys, beers, how to utilize them as their own pre-prepared magical materials as they are. So there's 5,000 words on using absinthe for magic. You can anoint your feet to protect you throughout your day. There are little tidbits of magic and there's like 20 pages of it. I'm so excited. But I wanted to make sure that it was a book that was as acceptable as it could be. I have an alcoholic parent, so I wanted to make sure that any utilization of alcohol for magic has a sober substitution. Oh, I love that. So That's awesome. Throughout the book, there's little neat tidbits where you can utilize other things. So things like the kitchen chapter, we're making syrups and we're making different materials, has no alcohol in it at all. So you can completely avoid it if that's triggering upsetting to you. So it was super important to me to make sure that everybody had something available to them. There's so many reasons why someone would choose not to utilize alcohol or imbibe, whether it's medications, health issues, you know, other issues by themselves. I wanted to make sure that everybody was able to be included. So one of the parts of my process is I teach a class based on the book that I'm starting to write so I can figure out where things need to be filled in, what things people want to know. And so I was teaching a Hexy Cocktails class in Philadelphia Ooh. about a year ago now. It was so neat. I made a bunch of shrubs. So I'm going to tell your listeners how they can use this themselves. <laughs> but it's so neat because you were making a syrup that flavors a soda. And this style of soda is actually older than this country. Oh, wow. One of the parts that came before shrubs. Switchel. This actually mentions a switchel in the Bible. It's that old of a beverage and it's got a vinegar base to it. So it's actually predates a lot of the traditional methods for cooling the body that we think of, you know, cool water and, you know, just air conditioning, fans, those kinds of things. Because vinegar cleanses your palate in a way that when you are breathing in, it cools the air that goes into your body. So it's actually really great for a hot day. It's a way to preserve fruit that may be on the edge of going bad. You could still utilize it. And it uses everything. So right before the shutdown, right before I went on lockdown here in Delaware, I made sure I grabbed a bowl of watermelon. I grabbed some Prosecco vinegar from my grocery store. And I brought it home. And I said, you know, I'm going to have some watermelon sodas while I'm on lockdown. Things maybe become scarce. So I'm going to have something that's flavorful and sweet and makes me feel and watermelon carries the magic of joy and happiness and connection. Think of those vines that grow with the watermelon. So you have your fruit. The traditional ratio is one cup of fruit, one cup of vinegar, and one cup of sugar. And this makes a very rich syrup that you can add just a teeny bit to a nice glass of sparkling water and make a really lovely soda with it. So what you do for watermelon because there's so much water in watermelon, it's just so rich. And there's very little actual plant material, you know, like cellulose. What you do, I used a pound of fruit per cup of vinegar, because that would just be an incredible amount of in the ratio. So I took a bowl and I filled it with my watermelon and I added a cup of Prosecco per pound. So 
I use two pounds of watermelon and two cups of Prosecco vinegar because it's really light and it's got that little bit of sweetness on the backside and two cups of sugar. And I just put it in a bowl and I cover it with a little dish towel and you leave it sit like that on the counter outside of the refrigerator, just out in nature for two days. And what happens is the vinegar actually breaks down the cell walls and it releases the water and the sugar and the flavor of the watermelon into this beautiful amalgam mixture. When the two days passes, I scoop the watermelon out. I bottle it. I put that in the fridge. And because it's preserved, it doesn't, it doesn't have to go in the fridge. It's cool for the flavor of the soda. And I keep the watermelon. I can put it on ice cream later. It's got this beautiful syrupy sweet flavor to it. It's really soft. It's cool. So I made that one for the lockdown. And I had a few on hand from teaching Hexi cocktails in Philadelphia. One was a strawberry fruit with <laughs> a chocolate vinegar. Ooh, where could you even find that? <laughs> There's all these little specialty oil and vinegar shops that are popping up. Oh, yeah, yep. We do have a couple near me. See? So we used the chocolate and the strawberry in that one. And because it's a balsamic vinegar, it's very rich, but it's also expensive. So you can use just a little bit of the balsamic to give it that richer flavor to flavor some of the other stuff. So you're making a big batch. You're not spending an arm and a leg on just the vinegar. I made one with uh, strawberries and lavender vinegar. Ooh, that sounds good. Oh, it was really spectacular. And I actually wound up adding a little bit of oil and vinegar into that one and making it into a salad dressing Ooh. because, oh, it was light and it was sweet. I'm getting goosebumps just remembering <laughs> that. <laughs> that sounds really like crisp and refreshing. It was. And it's neat because there's recipes like there's an overnight limoncello and things that you can take to ritual potlucks. There's a chapter on making your own magical teas. You know, what's the magic of black tea versus rooibos tea, what fruits can be added in for which intentions, the magic of each individual type of honey. So I'm using eucalyptus honey for health and opening myself to my intuitive energies. All of those have their own neat place. But there's also traditional herbal remedies in there like fire cider have their own space. And there's creating kombucha with a magical intent and starting with the intent of the tea and then going from making your own scoby to blending your own kombucha flavors. So it's not just a cocktail. It's not just a tea book. It's potions of all kinds. It's adding your intent to the liquids that you ingest on a daily basis, whether it's water that's been imbued with the idea of prosperity or it's the morning cup of coffee that you make. I even included things like the magical associations of Coke and Sprite. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> you know, I do have to say, you actually gave me like some really good ideas about things. So at where I live, we have a really big Renaissance festival. Mm -hmm. And there's this one vendor that's every time I go to RenFest, I have to go to this vendor. And they are these people who sell like 30 different types of honey. Mm. And, <laughs> and every year I always buy, there's this one honey called like butterbean honey. And last year I got orange blossom. I got a different flavor one year and then came home, put it in my cabinet. Next time I opened my cabinet, it promptly fell out and shattered all over my <gasps> counter. No. So I was really upset because it was a pretty expensive bottle. I can't remember what flavor it was. I think I just blocked it out of my memory as much as possible. It sounds like a Scottish Heather or a Meadow Foam. Gosh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the bee folks. <laughs> well, you might be onto something with that. <laughs> but yes, their honey is awesome. And, you know, and I think this is one of the things of like growing with the practice and, you know, conversing with other witches and learning things along the way from the people around you. 
I never thought to buy, for example, eucalyptus honey, like you mentioned, to use in spell work. That actually never occurred to me. And so now the next time I'm able to get honey from these people, which I mean, who knows when that's going to be because lockdown, I'm going to probably look into buying just a special jar of honey with maybe, you know, a particular herb infused with it or, or something to see, but just about using that particular honey for rituals or spells or. Oh, that's fantastic. Like There's that. a lavender labyrinth that's pretty close by and it's open air. So you don't have to see people or you don't have to talk to people. You can just work your, your meditation. But because it's a lavender farm, they actually keep bees and have their own lavender honey. Ooh, that sounds so good. So good. (laughs) So one thing that I really like that you talked about in this book is, you know, just utilizing what we have. So you mentioned, you know, things are going to get scarce. And for one, I'm definitely not going out to the stores as much as possible. I'm pretty terrified. Of going to the store because the county I live in is one of those really hot spot areas. In fact, most of the state that I'm in has reopened, but my county is like one of two that has not reopened because of how bad it is here. So I'm definitely not trying to go out. (laughs) So I really (laughs) like the idea of just kind of making use of what I have. And one other thing too, you mentioned, this is more of just like a personal note. I have a ton of alcohol that I don't drink. Long story short, I used to work in the music industry and we'd have um, these artists come into town and whatever they didn't open or take with them or whatever, we would get to take home. So that particular job, I did that job for like five years. So over the course of five years, I have accumulated a pretty vast collection of a ton of different liquor that I don't even like, (laughs) but we just didn't want to waste it because we're like, well, if it's a free bottle of Jameson, like I'm not going to say no, I'm probably not going to drink it, but it's there or tequila or, you know, random flavored vodkas. So I've held on to it for all these years. And I thought to myself, well, what am I going to do with this? Like, it's just kind of sitting there. I'm not using it. So I really like the idea of trying to find a magical way to incorporate it into something because it'll make me feel less wasteful than having just a pretty bottle sitting off to the side that has years of dust on it. <laughs> I actually made a room spray, a you know cleansing room spray out of bargain basement vodka that was left over from a party 15 years ago. And my garden, I had a bunch of this really beautiful broadleaf sage growing in my garden. I had a bumper crop that year. I had more than I would, could use in five years. And so I took a jar and I crammed it full of sage and I poured this cheap vodka into it and I left it sit. And then what I do every so often is I'll take an ounce or so, put it in a spray bottle, fill it up with water and use it as an energetic room spray. Oh, that's really cool. So we were going to talk about smoke cleansing for the home. That's actually a really cool way to do it is going in your garden and, you know, utilizing what materials you have and using that bargain basement, you know, vodka. I know (laughs) I just recently moved and I found some vodka bottles that, you know, (laughs) I could tell these were like the $5 handles of vodka that 19 year olds would get passed from their older siblings or friends who didn't want it because even the people who could drink did not want that. (laughs) You know, finding that kind of like thrown in my storage area, I was just like, what do I even do with this? I'm never going to drink this, but I didn't want to throw it out. So that's actually a very good idea is being able to take that and maybe infuse it and use it as a spray. Especially if you have those times when it's not appropriate to reach for a smoke. You have people who are coming over who are allergic to materials. You have people who have asthma. They're worried about their particular breathing apparatus. It's absolutely easy to just grab a room spray that's made from the same botanicals that your incense or your other materials could be made from and turn it into something that can be enjoyed by everyone. From 
know, the oil burners, you put a drop of oil in and you fill it up with water. You can actually put an in, a frankincense in that water and let the water do its job through heat rather than burning the frankincense resin for someone who's maybe been ill. Probably look into doing things like that. In my new apartment I moved into, I don't know, they're interesting. They said that we're not allowed to use candles. And I was like, well, can I burn incense? And they were like, well, that's not particularly written in the contract. And I was like, so I can burn incense. And they're like, well, it doesn't <laughs> say no. <laughs> So I always kind of wonder, like, maybe, you know, if my smoke alarm goes off too many times, I should have a little bit of a backup of alternative methods. I can <laughs> cleanse my space <laughs> or, you know, just relax. Absolutely. <laughs> so smoke cleansing for the home, do you have any particular tips or ways that you do it? Yes. When we start, the very first thing I have when I have new students, I make sure that they understand things that I want to start as far away from the front door as possible work out. I work counterclockwise because I'm banishing anything in my space that's not going to serve what I'm doing. If I'm working towards the front door, if I'm in an apartment, I'll leave, I'll leave the front door cracked. If I'm working in a home that has multiple levels, I'll, I'll leave a window open the farthest point away from where I'm starting. And I had the funniest thing happen. I was working out a smoke cleansing for some friends who had a great spirit that was causing some issues. They're like, oh, we don't want them to hang out in our house. We're, we're like, just outside is fine. Just like, no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and I wound up, it was in the winter. And the farthest point from where I started happened to be in the basement next to the heat return. So I was able to use the heat return to disperse the smoke that I was working with as a nice countermeasure to make sure everything had gotten to every nook and cranny in the house. It was helping me out that way. So work with your environment. Would you recommend if somebody lives, let's say, you know, in a house or a townhouse, should they start from the bottom and work their way down to the basement? Or what would you recommend? I always start at the top and work my way down because you're trying to ground that energy, try and get it out of your space and make sure everything's as stable as possible. So the closer you are to the ground, the more stable it feels, especially if you have a basement, you have the subterranean feeling to it. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. <laughs> There's a really lovely protection spell in Sacred Smoke that utilizes lavender and frankincense and a couple black peppercorns. It's a protection powder. So you can grind one part pepper for courage, for physical energy, and black pepper is great for protection magic. One part frankincense because it's banishing and it's protective, but it's also purifying. It's associated with religions all over the world. And three parts of lavender for protection and for peace. And I grind them all together. I use a mortar pestle or if I have a readily small pieces of frankincense. If I don't, I have a coffee grinder that's only used for incense. And so I'll grind it so it's a little easier to work with. And I just burn it over charcoal. Lavender is an herb of mercury. It has lots of different uses, including protection and divination. But it's also calming and soothing. So any anxiety that people are having about their current level of protection. Maybe there's a pandemic outside. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But it's neat because it's also associated with secrets. Whether you're retaining them or ferreting them out, you can add lavender to any potent protection powder and it'll help calm the situation very quickly. And it'll allow for seeing the problem as clearly and truthfully as you can, which can be difficult when we're when there's a personal security threat. It's hard to ferret out what's truly a problem and what's an emotional reaction to the problem. So lavender is a good piece to add into that when there's a personal security threat. Frankincense is associated with protection. And it comes in line with 
that banishing and purification bit works for protection because it banishes the issue and provides blessings. So it doesn't leave a vacuum. It removes those blockages to your reserves of strength. It reminds you that you are strong and you are whole and you are capable. Black pepper is the queen of mental alertness. There's an old message in one of the texts off the top of my head. It's from ancient Greece where they actually talk about putting a peppercorn underneath your heel and your shoe if you have a long journey to keep you alert. No, <laughs> my shoes. I'm pretty sure I'd be alert forever, but it's a great thought. I love the idea of black pepper being used for thousands of years. It was said that you could put a leaf from the tree under your tongue to make sure that you spoke the truth and you were whole with your work. The blend of them makes sure that you have the protection you need so you can burn it in your home and know that you're going to be protected even if you have to go outside of the house. That protection goes with you. I actually blend up the incense and then I blend up the essential oils together and put it in one of those little nasal inhaler tubes because they're anti-anxiety as well. So you can have your grounded protection in the home and then you can actually take that with you you can actually put a drop of the synergy which is a blend of essential oils without a carrier put a blend put a drop of that on the inside of your mask if you have to leave the house and it'll remind you that you're whole and you're protected and you're safe and it's really calming i love that i love the idea of people incorporating magic especially into the masks that they're wearing such as you know putting sigils or doing like what you mentioned just to calm them down and kind of ground them and remind them that they're okay it's so important to be reminded because it's very easy to let yourself spin out when you've got so much going on. You've got people who depend on you. You've got to get work done. There's a pandemic going on and somehow people expect you to concentrate on work. There's so many things happening. All of our anti-anxiety allies are really important right now. My favorite one is probably lemon balm. The essential oil is made from the flowers of the lemon balm, so it's nice and light. That's actually why it's a little bit more expensive because there's tons of greenery and just a few flowers that, that appear every year. But the other anti-anxiety oils that I really like working with, bergamot is really easy to diffuse. I, it's hard to work with it on your skin because there's some solar associations that can be problematic. <laughs> you can cause chemical burns if you're not careful with it. Yikes. Uh, yes. Cedar wood is really grounding. It reminds you that you're capable and you're grounded and you're stable. You got the strength of the tree working with you. Uh, Roman and German chamomile are both good for calming your anxiety. Lavender we already talked about. Oh, marjoram. It's the first cousin of oregano. So it's got that Mediterranean herbal sweet smell happening to it. But it's just one of the most chill herbs you'll ever meet. Neroli. Neroli is the flower from the bitter orange tree. So when you see people talk about sweet orange, that's the flowers of the sweet orange tree. But neroli is the flowers of the bitter orange tree. Because it's a flower, it can be a little bit more expensive to work with. So its other piece would be pedigree. It's the essential oil that's made from the leaves of that tree. So it has just a hint of green to it, to its smell, and it's a third of the price. Rose is a fabulous friend to anyone with anxiety. And rose geranium is usually uh, used to dilute for some of the other companies. Geranium can be really calming, but it's not as heavy duty with the anti-anxiety. Uh, sandalwood, tangerine. If it says mandarin on it, it's the absolute same thing. They both have the same Latin name. It's just different contextual names for the plant. And then ylang ylang and vetiver. So you have a nice sweet syrupy floral. And then vetiver is that delicious dark grass. Awesome. And I'm sure a lot of these essential oils too can be used in 
other blends for friendship or love. Oh, yes, absolutely. Nothing in nature is just one thing. The All of the florals can be used for love. The impact of the, especially the citruses, is protection and happiness and joy. I love citrus smells. I think that's actually one of my favorite fresh scents to smell. Absolutely. There's a neat thing in botanical brews where we're making an oil sugar to extract all the oil out of the peel instead of zesting because it takes forever. Ah. I bust my, you know, I, I cut my knuckles and then you're, you're just zesting for five years. <laughs> if you peel your citrus and cover the citrus peels in sugar, that actually breaks down the little oil repositories in the peel. And then you're just left with this. If you're using orange, it's a bright orange syrupy sludge that's no water's added to it. It's just the oil from the peel and that sugar. And it's it was used for making punches in the early 1900s. Oleosaccharum. It's beautiful. It's ridiculously easy to do. You can't mess it up. And you wind up with, you're using all of the plant material that you're given. You can make orange juice. You can make ricotta pancakes. You can do anything. But this oil sugar is using all of the oil in the peel. So you're utilizing the whole plant and you're creating less waste. Oh my gosh. I want to eat that and I also want to add it to like a bowl of olive oil and just like scrub all of my skin with that yes. <laughs> maybe add some coffee grounds or some like extra like extra fun in all of this <laughs> that would be amazing that'd be a great magical and mundane spa experience because there's the protection and the joy of the orange olive oil is used for blessings even the Vatican blesses their candles before mass with olive oil oh, so I didn't know that Yes, it's a little tidbit. Anything that you use olive oil for, use it for something you're going to use right away because it oxidizes very quickly and you're left with this like feet funk smell. Mm -hmm. That's (laughs) true. Use it right away. But (laughs) yeah, it would be a great magical spa experience that incorporates your everyday with your magical. I I want so badly to make sure that I empower people to go out and experience their magic every day. It's not a special set aside place. You know, there's Mundania and there's the witchy. No, we only live in one planet and one earth. And if you can experience some of that every day, that's what I want to give to you. I love the idea of mixing the mundane and the magical because it's always like the smallest things you can do that people might not even realize that you're doing. But, you know, as long as it impacts you, as long as you really know, like, hey, you know, nobody knows I put salt in the corners of my office here, (laughs) but you know, it's there. And, you know, I just love doing things like that, like mixing them together and finding ways you can mix it together. That's part of like the fun in all of this too. It really is. And it's, it's empowering because it's that super secret, special little something that relates to you. It makes you feel magical and it makes you feel connected to your space. I've worked in offices. I was the personal assistant to a CFO of a $30 million company. Wow. I had a similar position uh, to what you related. So we had musical acts that I had to entertain and, you know, riders you had to fulfill. And- oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. I Oh, oh man, so many riders. <laughs> um, so the office was very witchy. So I could burn candles. I could burn incense. I could, I could have my own very out-of-the-room closet space. And I've worked in places where that was not necessarily the best idea. Uh, I worked in, in executive security, executive protection for 12 years. So you can imagine it's a conservative field. I've worked in places where that was not the best idea. Just knowing that you're empowered to create your own space, that you have the agency to protect your space in a way that is suitable for you is so empowering. Absolutely. All right. Well, 
Before we adjourn, (laughs) I want to actually tell you a funny story that I think you'll enjoy. I think the listeners will too. It's an embarrassing story for myself, but I look back and laugh at it. So you had talked about Pepper being, you know, very energetic and something that really makes you alert, you could say. (laughs) (laughs) So after my initiation, I was given some gifts. And one of the things I was given was this big black jar it was a mason jar and there was a lot of black things inside. And I don't know what it was. <laughs> I was just not paying attention, didn't read the tag, but my mind immediately said, oh, take the lid off and take a big smell. It's probably incense or something. <laughs> it was not incense. <laughs> I found out very quickly. It was actually a big jar of black salt that had used a ton of pepper. <laughs> so I pretty much just inhaled a ton of pepper up my nose and you know, I was already like energized and alert, not like happy. Oh, that was the next alert level that I didn't know I could reach yet. <laughs> and I just remember the person who gave it to me, they just looked at me and they were like, there's black pepper in there. And it was too late. Like it already happened. Eyes are running. Everything's great. Everything was fine. It was totally fine. But yeah, so when you were talking about black pepper, I just had flashbacks to that moment where I was like, oh my God, I was such an idiot. I can't believe I did that. (laughs) And now I know, don't just sniff random things. (laughs) When you go like, don't take the lid off, make sure you find out what it is first, because you might end up with a nose full of black pepper like I did. (laughs) That's fantastic. Oh gosh. All right, Amy. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your amazing knowledge and, you know, everything about your book. I'm sure everyone's really going to love this. Could you tell me where people can find you? Absolutely. You can find me at amyblackthorn.com. We'll have some information. There's Wiser has beautifully supplied us with the first 50 pages of Botanical Magic and the first 40 pages of Sacred Smoke for free. So you can read it on amyblackthorn.com. You can just pull it up and find out that you know for sure that this is the book that you want, that you need. It's great because... You know, right now it's a little easier to get digital books than it is physical books. So they're searchable. You can type in lavender and it brings up every instance where I talk about lavender in, in books. They're available anywhere books are sold, really. You can get autographed copies from my tea shop, blackdoorhoodieblends.com. There's autographed copies of each of my books. And there's, as well as uh, ritual oils, tea blends, magical candles, all sorts of really helpful materials and also little tiny spell kits uh, and oils as well. So all I want is to empower people to experience their magic. So amyblackthorn.com, blackthornhoodooblends.com, and as well as Facebook, there's Amy Blackthorn author. You can shoot me a message and ask questions about books or tea or the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Amy Blackthorn uh, author page also connects to the Blackthorn Hoodoo Blends Facebook page. And there's, fun memes and there's you know interesting conversations and then there's witchcraft down and dirty is also lots and lots of memes but are a little more raucous nature we'll say they're all witchy memes so i love a good witchy meme <laughs> that's what I, I shared what i find when, in my travels during the day and then you have a podcast as well right i do the facebook page for that is blackthorn grove podcast and i'm also on apple podcasts and stitcher and just about every podcast out there, including Anchor, which is the podcast app that I use to broadcast from. So the most recent episode is an episode on breathing exercises for our witchy friends to curb their anxiety during the pandemic. If you're feeling anxious, there's eight different styles of breathing and methods of calming that anxiety through your breath. Work. Yeah, I think we all need that right now. 
<laughs> it's definitely it's definitely helpful. It's the funniest thing. My pit bull puppy Millie actually curled up in my lap as I started to record this for the first time ever. She decided she needed to check out Mom's podcast studio. So <laughs> in the background, you can hear little pit bull snores. <laughs> so, talking through the breath work. So apparently, she needed a nap too. Oh well, animals are welcome on this podcast anytime. That is not a problem. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much again, Amy, for coming on. I really, really enjoyed our talk today. And you are welcome back anytime you want to come here. Thank you so much. I would love to have you as a guest. Oh, I would love that. Some of your experiences and tell your stories to my listeners as well. Awesome. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a great night for the listeners. As always, you can find me on Facebook. I actually changed my Facebook name. It's now Seeking Witchcraft Podcast and on Twitter at at Seek Witchcraft and on Instagram at seeking witchcraft and i just want to give a shout out to my patreon people my witchlink neophyte groups thank you guys so much you guys are amazing and i'm super excited we're all going to start a book club soon so maybe we should look into one of amy's books we'll see (laughs) all right well have a good night everybody and we'll talk to y'all soon bye